From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently, and we have watched a lot. I'm Terry. Oh, and I'm Mary Beth, and this week we are both talking and clawing our way out of Sundance. <laughs> so much Sundance. So much Sundance. I haven't been sleeping a ton because I've been watching movies, which is a very cool thing. I will acknowledge that it's a very cool thing, but boy oh boy, when you have to both watch them and write about them... Brain empty. <laughs> I have no brain power left. Uh, same. I just, I feel like all I've been doing is taking notes and then writing. I know. I know. That's how I feel too. And like, I saw over 20 and I was pretty, I'm pretty impressed wow. with over 20. There are people who have watched, like, yeah. every year this happens. It's like, I watched 45. I'm like, How? How can you watch that many things? Like, I understand people get screeners ahead of time, but still, like, they don't get screeners that far ahead of time. And that's just a lot of things in my brain. And 
I definitely could have watched more, but I took a lot of breaks because like I, there was no way I I just couldn't. (laughs) I needed, I needed trash between like the really depressing and fucked up (laughs) things I was watching. I was like, I need a break. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple times during this festival where I just put down my laptop as like, I am going to just watch this one uh, because yes. I I definitely needed some breaks from taking notes and, and, and writing copious amounts of reviews. And there were a couple of some really good uh, non-genre movies yeah. that I ended up seeing this year, too. And I was I was really happy to see that. Yeah, I'm really happy that I gave I allowed myself to watch them. Yeah, I did the same thing. Um because, like, obviously with Dread Central, um, like, last year I was able to watch a bunch for reviews because I was covering for a bunch of places, but I was just doing Dread Central. So it was, like, only the horror ones through that I had to, like, kind of cover. So it was pretty mm-hmm. limiting in, like, terms of reviews, which was actually good because then I could watch a bunch of other ones and not feel obligated to write about them but still see them. So that was nice. Because um, there was some good stuff that wasn't genre this year. Should we just talk a little bit about? Yeah, I mean, let's not just a start. whole lot. Let's just but like, dive in. I would like to. I would like to talk about it. I am. Am I okay? <gasps> yes. Am I okay? The one movie I watched under Sundance that wasn't like horrifically upsetting. It's <laughs> 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 really minorly upsetting. <laughs> it's really good though. It's a it's a queer story about uh, a woman who is in her thirties. I think she is thirty or thirty one, and. She is just now coming to terms with the fact that she is a lesbian. And at the same time, her best friend that she's been friends with for forever is taking a promotion in England and moving across the sea. And so it's about that. And it's about her trying to determine what it means to be gay in your 30s when you haven't had the sort of like teenage love, 20s love that like... I think most people go through or a lot of people go through. And so it's uh it was really emotional and it was really funny. I've seen a lot of people call it slight and fluffy and I get that, but I also don't think that they have gone through <laughs> what this story is about because it was not slight or fluffy for me. I don't think me. it was fluffy. I think it was like pretty sincere. And I think it's also yeah. inspired by I it was there's a documentary called Tig that they met that Tig Nataro and her wife who both who co-directed this movie talk about at mm-hmm. the beginning and I I haven't seen it but I, it's very personal it's based on their own experiences as coming out when they're older and like yeah I think it it's like I don't know it's not a tragic movie but I think I like that about it being a little bit more quiet but an important experience mm-hmm. that like not everyone co- like comes out when they're kids or like when they're teenagers and gets to experience like. That kind of thing. Some people live a long time and, like, have sex with people they don't really like having sex with because they don't know what's going on. And, like, I don't know. I I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Dakota Johnson's in it as the queer character. She's amazing. She's really good. And so- Sonoya Mizuno, who I am fucking obsessed with, is her friend. I'm obsessed with her after watching this. Oh, she's so good. She was in Devs, which was like that Alex Garland show from last year. Oh, yeah. She was one of the robots in Ex Machina. She was, yeah. She's incredible. I love her so much. And I was really, I usually have only really seen her in dramas and stuff. So it was really cool to see her as like a, like a, in a kind of a friend comedy drama sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I really. And Kiersey Clemens. Kiersey Clemens is in it. Try-ons. 
So I, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that movie too. And then another one that was non-genre that I just watched today, Emily the Criminal. Oh yeah. That made me so uncomfortable. And (laughs) Aubrey Plaza's in it as a woman who has so much student loan debt, which I'm very familiar with because I have so much student Mm. loan debt. And she's trying to get a job so she can pay off her fucking student loans and live. And she gets kind of sucked into underbelly of crime in LA as she's like, gets more and more desperate to make money. And it like is unfortunately hits very close to home of like, like the absolute desperation you go through to pay your student loans. And Abby Plaza is incredible and it's much more intense than I thought. So I liked that one quite a bit. It was really good. It was, uh, you know, I think this is one of those times where you see it and you think, gosh, you know, she's not just that sort of plucky, sarcastic character actor. You know what I mean? Like she has depth and I don't think a lot of people give her credit for that, but she was really, she was really good in this She movie. was, she was like take no shit kind of person. And I loved her. Like she was like aggro, but I loved it. Cause she was like calling people, basically like half of the movie, she's calling people out on their bullshit with like the system. And at one point mm-hmm. she's like, you're trying to fucking hire me as an unpaid intern for six months. Like, fuck you. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate this because this is all the things you want to say to people, but you feel like you have to be polite. But she just like is a, he just she's always saying fuck you. And I kind of I really appreciated that. Yeah, I did too. That was really good. What kind of what genre stuff did you really enjoy in like the mid the midnight, but also just like the non midnight section? Because there was a bunch of genre stuff outside of the midnight section. Yeah, I mean, my favorite movie of the fest, and I've been very vocal about this on Twitter, was You Won't Be Alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is billed as a witch movie, and it is a witch movie. There are witches in it. They shapeshift. Um, and I I think that the trailers and a lot of pre-release stuff have kind of focused on uh, Numi Rapace, probably because she's, I think, the biggest name attached to it. But, like, she's in it very briefly, and it's... This is a witch movie that, like, is a lot more complex than the let's all be witches and leave the society, which I feel like is a a trope that we've seen a lot of in witches, in witch movies. And this one is more about using the witch as an outsider to kind of force the viewer to see and recontextualize life in its horror, in its abject inhumanity, but also at its, like, highest. Yeah. And it really made me emotional. <laughs> I was like, you cried watching it. And then I was watching it, um, the second screening. And I was like, why am I leaking? Like, why is my face leaking? Like, yeah. this is not a movie I thought was going to, like, break my heart. And someone called it, a, compared it to a Terrence Malick movie. And it is very much, like, Tree of Life, Terrence oh. Malick vibes. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. It's like, it's a very different perspective on horror and witches that I really appreciate. It's not just like a witch fucking shit up. It's a witch trying to understand how to be a person, like you said, and going, but there's also some really interesting gender stuff because like the, the Mm -hmm. woman who becomes a witch is a female, is is born a woman and she shapeshifts into a woman, but then she also shapeshifts into a man and like learns what it's like Mm -hmm. to be a man and the pressures put on a man and what it's like to have sex as a man. And there's some really interesting stuff about gender and like understanding gender identity. And that was really fascinating to kind of see them mess with that a little bit was i didn't again another thing i didn't really expect is kind of the examination of gender identity yeah in the film it's beautiful i just i loved it and it's one of those movies that like if you it's not gonna be for everyone in fact i don't think it'll be for most people unfortunately (laughs) but like if you let yourself like get 
get like wrapped up in it. And it, it just mesmerized me to the point where at one point I was looking back at my notes to start to write my review on it. I realized that I had stopped writing and it's because like I was just so transfixed on what was happening on screen. And by the end of the movie, the I, I mean, I've, I've mentioned this on Twitter. And I told you, Mary Beth, the last line made me like just like burst into tears. And it's because it's it felt like the emotion was like welling up for like an hour and 48 minutes. And then it was finally like that release. And it was just like, blah, <laughs> I started like bawling. Yep. It was such a wild experience. I was like, there's, I mean, and it's, it's a good line. It's a good last line, but it's not like something that's just going to like, I don't know. It for, for some reason, it just was that ending it's kind like, of pop that bubble. It's, yeah. It's like that note it's ending on where you're like, huh? It like encapsulates everything really well. Yeah. Like the experience so of living, which is weird. Like how they captured that in like two line, like two words. I don't know. That was really. Mm. I'm always so impressed when people can do that. I'm like, why are you so smart? <laughs> How your brain do that? <laughs> but yeah, a brilliant movie. I there's no way in hell it's not going to be in my top ten. I it probably it, will be in mine too. I wonder who's going to pick it up. I mean, it has a release date in April. Oh, it does. I think it's, Never mind. Mm-hmm. Where have I been? I'm a, I work for fucking horror news site. What's wrong with me? <laughs> um. Yeah, it's got like Hagazusa vibes if you guys like Hagazusa, but this one's more tender. It's focus features. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's got Hagazusa vibes, but like more tender than Hagazusa, like less cruel, but it's got kind of like those witchy, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and kind of like a focus on 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 emotions yes. and and like vibes in some way yeah. over like telling a traditional narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, another, there's, so I have two kind of neck and neck for my favorites of the fast. Um, one of them is Something in the Dirt, the new Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead movie that like Mm -hmm. fucked me up hardcore. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. so complicated and weird and like, it's them at their best. It's them going back to their DIY indie horror route route. It's like resolution and the endless like those movies it's got that vibe it's the two of them in an apartment it's like three of them made it like two of them in an apartment talking about supernatural and aliens and metaphysics and geocaching and crystals and being a person and orcas eating people like it's (laughs) it's basically two guys shooting the shit and like trying to base save off loneliness there are two guys who live by themselves who have not a lot going on for them and they find each other and find purpose in this weird phenomenon that happens in one of their apartments and it's gorgeous it's and it's got like found Mm. footage vibes to it which is like (laughs) of course Mm -hmm. it's got all these really cool Mm. layers to it that i really appreciated and how they deal with like unreliable narrators telling the truth and like messing with those lines and never really knowing like what actually happened and what didn't. And, um, it's just like incredible filmmaking. I don't even know how else to describe it. Like it's, it's an experience. Like I definitely ate an edible before I watched it. And I was like, (laughs) I am in the vibe. I am in the zone. (laughs) And it was, um, it was something special. I will say Benson and Moorhead, like, I can't. They're so talented. They're so talented. And like, I'm so, I am both very excited for them and so sad that they're doing a Disney movie, a Marvel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, look, get your bag. And obviously they still care about their roots. You know what I mean? Like, they made Synchronic and then went back to something, you know? So I feel like they're never gonna like, 
let go of that in my heart i feel that they also directed episodes of archive 81 which i did not realize until i started watching archive 81 and i'm like these guys are fucking killing the genre game so if you want to hear more listen to our episode with them because they're really sweet too like they're nice people so they're so wonderful (laughs) they're wonderful human beings they're like they're fucking they're such dorks and like that's the best they're just like film dorks and it's incredible one one anecdote i don't know if this made it into the episode but like when we were we were very cognizant of their time when we were recording with them and we wanted to give them some time and so we like we're ending a little bit early and like we still got time let's let's keep chatting let's let's what do you want to talk about like they just that's just the kind of people they are and it also made sense why their hair was the way it was when we talked to them because i I think they had like not maybe not recently recently but they had like filmed this right like before we had talked uh, because they had done you know they did synchronic and then they did like an episode of twilight zone and they they kind of did this while in the middle of pandemic and then they got picked up for moon night so it's like I don't know. They just, I think they want to keep busy. And I'm really hoping that that cadence continues if, as they get bigger. Cause I think Moon Knight's going to be huge for them. It's got Ethan Hawke and Oscar <laughs> Isaac in it. It's my wet dream. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> I don't care about Marvel, but that I will. No, watch. I'm, I, have you seen the trailer for it? <laughs> yes, I have. And I'm just like, I don't understand. And I'm very excited. Steve had to explain to me what Moon Knight was. And we went down a rabbit hole of looking at all of his hilarious things he says in the comics because he's such a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. So I'm very excited. And Ethan Hawke, again, Ethan Hawke is in it. And I love him forever. Yeah. I'm, I'm really like, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll keep up the cadence with, you know, if, if, if they're career tra- career trajectory starts you know escalating which i'm hoping it will for them because they deserve all the respect i mean it's I, we can't just like force them to make these like small low budget movies that are indie darlings but no. like so i mean i'm excited for them but i'm hoping that once as they are doing that that they will come around and shoot a movie in a, someone's apartment like you know it's ridiculous i but i like i love that kind of cycle of like big things and then a little indie thing just for fun and then like because you can tell they do this because they love mm-hmm. it like this movie is the two of them loving each other mm-hmm. and it's like they never they always fucking hit with representing male friendship which is something we don't get a lot of like these tender beautiful male friendships that are like they're not homoerotic they're just sweet mm-hmm. And like, and they're intimate, and they're into, but they're they're intimate. Like when I was writing my review, I was I wanted to write intimate, but I didn't want people to take that like as like a sexual thing because like I think a lot of times people well they're intimate, you know, taken in a sexual manner, but like there is intimacy between men that can happen that is not sexualized, that is not homoerotic, and this is what we have between the two of them. And what's interesting to me is that these characters, one of them is gay, and one in a roundabout way says that he's asexual. So like you have two queer people in this movie and it, that's like it blew my mind i was like oh shit i can't believe they're doing they're that queer but it's not like the forefront of who they are it's like dropped in casually in conversation mm-hmm. as if like you know but it's not like this huge reveal you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's not like like when justin benson's character levi mentions he's asexual aaron moorhead's character john makes a joke and he's like you're really gonna compare my sexuality to death and then they just move on and it's just like it's platonically intimate Mm -hmm. it's two guys who really care for each other who are playing two guys who are just starting to care for each other and it's just like the way they they are like they write those conversations that they Mm -hmm. have 
is so impressive. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm curious if like they're improvised. Like, I feel like you can't write those kinds of things unless you're talking to a really good friend. But like, they just go on these tangent conversations and you feel like you're hanging out with them. And it's just like, but then on top of that, there's weird supernatural shit yeah. going on or paranormal stuff. So it's like, it's cool. I don't know. It's just a great, I think it's an incredible movie. It's so good. And I just think it, it's gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna do good things. Yeah. I'm so excited for them. It couldn't happen to better people. Right? Seriously. It's like, oh, thank God they're nice. (laughs) Seriously. But then the other one I really love that is very divisive um, is Resurrection, (laughs) the new Rebecca Hall movie. Yes. That absolutely wrecked my entire ass. Like, I I almost had a panic attack afterwards. Oh, no. I can, I can, I understand why. I, I get it. So, okay, so Resurrection, Rebecca Hall is at, like, at her fucking A game. Like, this oh. woman is incredible. Like, if there's a theme of Sundance this year, it is incredible lead performances by mm-hmm. women. Like, Regina Hall and some others. Like, Regina Hall was incredible. Thandaway Newton was incredible in something I watched. Like, Rebecca Hall. Like, Rebecca Hall is, like, just unhinged queen. Um, So in this movie, she plays a woman who works – it's like a hard worker, a single mom, and she is like very regimented and like very protective of her daughter. And one day she sees Eli Roth – not Eli Roth. (laughs) 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 He is such a bad mess up. (laughs) But it's also kind of a perfect Um, mess up. It's incredible. Um, Tim Roth, a very different person with a very similar last name. She sees him <laughs> and she just completely unravels. And it's revealed that he groomed her as a child. As a, a, She was 18, but a child. And they were in this horrific relationship. She escaped and now he's back and she's completely unraveling. Um, and he also says that he has their dead son inside of him. Um, yeah. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah. But I, okay. This hit me really person. This hit me on like a crazy level because there's a lot of weird things going on with me right now in terms of like my past. Like this year marks the anniversary of some fucked up shit, but I'm especially leaving my abusive ex mm. is like, it's the 10 year anniversary of that this year. Um, which is weird and like kind of fucking bizarre to think about. But this kind of made me think about that. Like, I get so embarrassed when my PTSD fucks up me up after 10 years. I think, like, I'm weak. I haven't, like, gotten over it. Like, what's wrong with me? But this movie shows after 22 years, this woman's still fucked mm-hmm. up. And, like, that meant a lot to me to see that, like, abuse doesn't just go away. Like, there's no time limit on how you're affected. And you don't know how you're going to react if you see that person. Like, I've seen my abusive ex, and I almost threw up. And, like... I have just been in those situations, like, in these exact situations where I just want to, like, die because this person is here in my life. And, like, I can't – but then you can't stop thinking about it. And it's counterintuitive to think about it. But then all you do is think about it. And so just, like, her trajectory is obviously pretty extreme. But a lot of her beats I 100% identified with as somebody who has been in a very similar situation. I was just like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck. And then the end, I was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Because it gets really gonzo at the end. Like, we're like, what the fuck? And that's where it lost me. (laughs) Oh, man, I fucking love that ending. I thought it was incredible. Um, But that's just me. But I don't know. I know a lot of people thought it was weird. 
but I, for the reasons I just explained, like, it just hits so many personal mm-hmm. notes for me in ways that I haven't really seen on screen. And But I also loved that experience being taken to a ridiculous extreme because, like, this is a revenge film to me in a way. And, like, seeing that kind of thing done to somebody is just, like, so cathartic, which like, I've talked about a million times. But there's just something for me that's so cathartic in seeing a, women who have endured similar things, like, getting their fucking come up, like, getting the revenge they want. And, yeah, the end. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it because it's fucking weird. <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. I liked it. I loved 99% of it. And that's everything that's very fair. The ending is what kind of throws people well, off. I think it's incredible. I think it's an incredible ending, but I also understand why some people are like, "What in the fuck kind of tonal shift is this?" I guess my problem with with the ending, and again, I'm not, I'm going to talk very generic, but like, I spent more time thinking about that than I did what happened immediately after that. That like brings the movie full circle. And because I was spending more time focused on this little bit of something that I didn't think needed to be in there, instead of thinking about what the metaphor is. You know what I mean? I was more concerned about like the the logistics <laughs> than I was the feeling. And that's because of what happened. And so like that whole moment to me, just like for me, just like just took me completely out of the movie. But everything you're saying, 100%, 110% agree uh if i had if i had seen someone in my past show up i yes 120,000% agree with you hunter just that one little moment yeah i think it captures that <laughs> it really does well. absolutely and like people are just like this is ridiculous i'm like look i don't know you but the way you're talking about this movie makes you think that perhaps you have not been in that situation which congr- like thank good good i'm so glad you have not like congratulations i am very happy for you but like people do crazy shit after they've been abused and gaslit for a long time like i did so i don't know i just think it captured that so well and like i want to write about that ending because i have so many thoughts about it because i love it but again very much understand why it's divisive but yeah so those are my two like favorites of the fest um but do you have any other standouts that you wanted to talk about there's like fucking a million movies i could talk about i feel like. i absolutely do i want to talk about Mr. Riley Stern's darkly comedic duel. Movie rules. This movie is uh for those those that don't know, Riley Stern's is the writer and director who uh gave us like back in 2014 Faults. Have you seen Faults? No, I the haven't. The cult conversion movie. It's a cult D no. programmer who um Oh. uh is working with Mary Elizabeth Weinstead to try to deprogram her from being from an occult, her parents hire him to basically get her out of the mindset of being an occult. Oh, really good. Oh, interesting. And then back in 2019, did the Art of Self Defense, which I think yes. is. Have you seen the Art of Self Defense? I actually haven't, but that's so funny because Steve and I were just talking about that the other day before I even watched this movie. But I know that Jesse Eisenberg is in it, and it has to do with karate and toxic masculinity. It does for toxic masculinity what um, I think Fight Club meant to do. Before it got sort of like co-opted. Oh, it's, interesting. I've also heard comparisons with Whiplash. Did you mm-hmm. ever see that movie? I could see that, yeah. Okay. Um, I've heard comparisons with Whiplash. This is too. definitely more in the same bent of uh, Duel, though, in terms of like very, very funny. 
but for a specific subset of humor, very funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like Duel, I mean, gosh, Duel is about this. Okay, it takes place a little bit in the future where they clone people. It's got Black Mirror vibes. It's got like a Black Mirror, pitch black comedy Black Mirror yeah. vibes. And so they clone people when they're dying so that their loved ones don't miss them is basically what they do. And this woman, played by Karen Gillan, love her, is uh, dying from some rare disease that is terminal. She's going to die. It's in a really funny exchange. The doctor tells her that she has a 0% chance of survival. No, there's a hundred. How did it go? I can't even remember. It was like there's a death rate of 98. You're you're not going. There's no chance you're going to make it, but there's a 98% chance that you will die. And she's like, you said it was certain Mm -hmm. I was going to die. And it's like, oh, there's a 2% margin of error. And she's like, so you, what? So they're going back and forth in this dialogue of like 98% certainty. But but 0% chance you're going to survive. 0% chance (laughs) you're going to survive, but 98% chance technically for that margin of error. And um, and so she she does it. She does the the thing, and boom! There is another Karen Gillan running around, uh, learning to be her. And unfortunately, her boyfriend and her mother like her better than uh, like the clone better than the than the original. We'll call her the original. Yeah. And uh, then she discovers that that two percent margin of error, she survives. But because the clone has been alive for ten months, the twenty eighth amendment, the new amendment says that they have to duel to the death to determine there cannot be two two people <laughs> like two of the same person walking around and this movie has like i would say the dialogue cadence of like the killing of a sacred deer yeah it is deadpan as fuck it is darkly comedic as fuck and i was rolling laughing while watching this movie i i thought it was so funny a lot of people thought like they didn't like the subject matter and i was like i think it's fucking hysterical like you get a clone to replace you and then your loved ones fall in love with the clone more than you <laughs> and then you're just forced to like grapple with being a person who lives in the world who like whose clone is more loved and there's a scene like, for most of this movie, Karen Gillan is just talking like this. There's no sense of emotion on her face. She just is talking very matter-of-factly. The couple of, like, the rare moments where she breaks down are incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, she's so good in this movie. I love her. Like, she is incredible. And so is Aaron Paul, who plays her, her self-defense teacher. He's so funny. Like, I wanted more of the two of yeah. them. I thought that, like, I thought that the two of them were such a good pair and their dynamic was my favorite and i just loved seeing them together um on the screen because they just really played well off of each other comedically i i just i had a great time watching it i thought it was i thought it was wild i thought the story was hilarious and also they 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 film the duels between clones and people so there's like a reality tv thing like they're in the middle of a football field and like it just had all these weird little details that like it was obviously sci-fi but it was like I don't know. It was like sci- believable mm-hmm. sci-fi-ish. Also, the fact that her clone inherited would inherit her debt <laughs> for paying off the clone, so the clone has to pay off their own existence—that <laughs> was also incredible. I don't know. There's just like those little details in the movie that are kind of talked about and not brought up again. That you just like. I was like, this is so fucking funny. Like it's ridiculous, a lot of cool but word, it's like world incredible. Building. A lot of world, yeah, a lot of world building, and I I really liked that. So. I'm glad we both liked it because I've seen some rather oh no I loved polarizing it. stuff. It's online, one of my so favorites. I that was a good time. I saw. <laughs> so the other one that I re- well, there's fucking so many I want to talk about, but 
The other one I really want to talk about was Piggy. Okay. Did you see Piggy? I did. Did you not like Piggy? Not really. <laughs> oh, okay. Fascinating. I'm curious to hear why, because I really liked Piggy. A lot of people Piggy, apparently did. Piggy is about a girl who is is fat, and she is bullied by these three girls. And when she sees these three girls get evil, evil girls. bully girls, evil, um, they're like drown her in a pool. It's a whole fucking nightmare. But when she sees them getting abducted by a serial killer, she doesn't say anything and just lets them get taken away. And then, excuse me, it's her kind of grappling with that, but then also having an interesting attraction to the killer. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here. The ending is, I think the ending is wild. I love the ending. But what I really loved about this movie is there's a fat person on the screen and she's allowed to be fat and she's in a bikini. You see her in her underwear a lot. Like she's not censored and because, and which I love. And I think like the whole point, like, you know, she's made fun of because she's fat, but at the same time, like they don't try to hide mm-hmm. her body, which I appreciated because fat, pe- fat people are not treated well in movies for like a majority. Nope. And she's like, Wearing a bikini. Two-piece. Exactly. Like, a small bikini. And, like, it's incredible because, look, like, you're giving – like, look, fat people can wear bikinis. Like, it's totally – like, it's fine. You can show a fat person in their underwear and bra and not have it be weird. And, like, that was another – one of the reasons I really enjoyed it because it let her be fat without trying to, like, make excuses for it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, she's just a person. So, why didn't you vibe with it? I just thought it was boring. Oh, okay. I just uh, it, it, like I, I like the beginning. Well, I, I actually hated the beginning in, in like a way that you're supposed to hate the beginning. Not like I, oh, I hate yeah. this movie. It was like this movie made me feel very angry as someone that has gone through it. Like I, I, I remember yeah. and I, I you know, I, I also really liked this character because I remember going to the pool and wearing my shirt because I was so embarrassed of having my shirt off in the pool. So this These kids are fucking cruel. Yeah. They're not even kids. People are fucking cruel. People are to fucking cruel. People. And so like <laughs> there's there's that aspect of it that like I really like as like I'm vibing with this. And I don't know, I, I did I didn't think she was the greatest of an actress. Oh really? I liked her performance a lot. I thought she was fine until she had to emote and then it felt like melodrama. So I just okay. it just didn't it just didn't work for me. But I liked I liked the ending. I liked the beginning. Middle section just didn't I do just, it for me. I also me. think I just – I think it marks an important kind of movie that will hopefully maybe start some change. Like I know it's a sp- it's a foreign language film, so who knows. But just like having a fat girl be a complex kind of protagonist character and ha- and she's allowed to have catharsis mm-hmm. as the main character, I just want more of that. No, I do too. 100%. So, this is cool. I think that's like another like a big reason. I also just think the ending is fucking wild. I wish the movie had more of that wild tone. I did think it was going to be bloodier. Yeah, I did too. I will say I wish it was bloodier. Me too. I wish it was the beginning and the end and that was it. Yeah, it was a short. So a lot of people were saying that like it does kind of feel like a short mm-hmm. that was stretched out and I can see that. For there's sure, not a, I, but... there's just not enough in the middle section for me to like hold my head on for yeah. 90 minutes. That's really what Fair. it boiled down to for me. But speaking of gory, I did want to also touch on Speak No Evil. Oh, okay. Because I also love that movie. It's good. It's fucking weird. Everyone makes horrible decisions. It makes me want to scream at my television. It's all about weaponizing politeness. Mm -hmm. The ending is horrendous. Mm -hmm. Like, horrific. If you think about it too hard, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But, like, (laughs) that's fine. It's okay. Like, it's you know what? That's the It's the kind of weird nihilistic movie that I'm like, I don't need to think about it. Like, I don't care. I just want... (laughs) 
And there was another movie that okay, it's deeply uncomfortable. So basically, a Danish family meets a Dutch family on vacation, and the Dutch family invites the Danes to their house, and they're like, mm, "It's so weird to go to like the we don't really know them. Go to their house for the weekend, but it'll probably be fine." And it's like the dad Bjorn who's pushing it. And, you know, he really evolves to be quite a piece of shit, I will say. Bjorn is not as, like, Bjorn's an asshole. But they end up going to the house. Um, and when they get there, it's just, like, everyone's nightmare. Like, the the sleeping situation isn't great. The couple is really weird. Their parenting style is weird. Their kid doesn't really speak because he doesn't have a tongue. Um, <laughs> like, they're either making out and getting wasted or they're yelling at their kid and they're just and like what at one point um the wife is in the shower and he just like the husband of like the, the the dutch guy just walks in and pees like there's just no concept of boundaries and it is my fucking worst nightmare and probably everyone's worst nightmare to be perfectly honest like it is a nightmare scenario and it just escalates and like pushing the boundaries of how polite somebody can be and it gets extreme because you're like you know you are this is how we're expected to act with people that we don't know. And like, don't confront them about their weird behavior. And when you confront them about their weird behavior, like you're a dick. And I, I just really enjoyed it. And it's gross. I get, and I just wish the movies this year were grosser. I know that sounds terrible. Cause like a lot of the movies were like gross in concept, but I wanted like, <laughs> I wanted like violation cutting up a body, but maybe I'm just fucked up. I think I'm just fucked up. No, I, you know, I was thinking about that as I was, as watching, cause one last movie I want to talk about also does a similar thing, but it's, there's, it definitely, I, I don't know. There's like moments. Okay. What I was thinking about as I was watching these movies, it, cause a lot of the, the festival website had disclaimers in front, you know, contains graphic That's violence, cool. yada, yada, yada. And I was thinking about this as I was watching it because I was thinking back to Fantasia when a little movie had a lot of trigger word warnings in front of it and i watched it and boy did it like cross those trigger lines and more of the sadness so we talked to rob jabaz about it but like i was thinking about that movie and then i was thinking about this movie these movies about like you know you're putting up warnings about violence and stuff and i mean some of it is a little little rough the ending of this movie is rough but i'm like mm. i like i've seen worse <laughs> fundamentally broken where i'm like no no i want to see you flaying somebody alive <laughs> like sick girl shit like i just like yeah it's not that i didn't like it i just want more blood when uh, you put things in the midnight section <laughs> with that warning you are setting up my brain for something that's going to be horrendous. i'm always gonna think of the sadness now you know? Yeah. And violate. So I think of violation, violation. too. Mm -hmm. And like that, that's a whole other level. That's like different, obviously, than the sadness. They're, and they're like horrendous in subject matter. I will oh, say, yeah. like, all of those midnight movies are like pushing boundaries. Like, but I'm just like, give me more gore. Tear the bodies apart. This movie kind of reminded me a little bit in a way of um, funny games. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I, I was funny games. And then what was the other one that I compared it to? There's another one that um that when I was talking with Joe Joe Lipset last night, um he brought up, I think it's called Drive Through. Oh. Um that was like his he was saying that that was actually uh, tackled the subject better than that movie did. I it's I'm it's a foreign oh. film. 
I don't think it's called drive-through. Like, what's it called? It's like called Kurt. Oh, I said the Strangers and Funny Games is what I compared this one to. That's not even coming up now, and I don't remember what he called it. Maybe it wasn't drive-through. Shit. <laughs> Fen- oh, was it Fender Bender? <laughs> Fender Bender. When's it from? I think it's from like 2019. Bumper Cleef. Bumper Cleef? That's the that's the the foreign language title of it. Tailgate. 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 Jesus okay. Christ. Tailgate. Yes, it's a uh, cult. You were so close, though. Like you were, <laughs> like, you were just like circling cars, around, dude. Like, so <laughs> close. You were like, did something with the cars and the fenders. It's called Bumper Cleef, one word, and it's um, a cocksure road raging family man finds himself pursued and terrorized by a vengeful van driver. He chooses to tailgate. That's incredible. Yeah. Anyway, Joe had compared that movie in terms of like the the kind of comedy of manners taken to like extreme that this movie that. Uh, uh, Speak No Evil is also sick. Cool. I'm gonna have to watch that. And Speak No Evil is coming to Shutter, so you guys can watch that one soon. It's very much a Shutter 2013. movie. So. Or tw- 2000. God, 2013. Jesus. 2023, I believe. It's not coming out for a while. Speak No Evil isn't coming till 2023. I also thought I, I thought that was two years away, and then I realized it's not two years away because <laughs> I don't know what time is anymore. Oh no, I guess late 2022. So a year from now probably almost uh yeah huh interesting but yeah so that's coming to shutter later this year whenever it comes to shutter you should check it out if you like kind of fucked up movies about <laughs> politeness yeah um and you said there was one another movie one more movie there's one more movie about. i wanted to talk about and that is uh okay. fresh which um i mean if you're reading the kind of tag line synopsis for it and you see the title i mean i think it's pretty self-evident we're talking about cannibalism here um but it's the way in which it tackles cannibalism this movie is also very dark (laughs) but darkly comedic but it's so funny because like it's it's so dark but it, it gives me the loved one the loved ones vibes the um the prom New Zealand movie, prom New Zealand movie, because it's like so dark, but mm-hmm. the, like the aesthetic is very like eighties, and like Sebastian Stan's character, who is a murderer, is like very Patrick Bateman esque, and is like listening to eighties music, and like has an upbeat attitude, and it's just like the tone is very funny for what the subject matter is. Like it's darkly funny, yeah, and has a much brighter aesthetic than you would expect. A cannibal movie to have. Beautifully shot by the cinematographer of uh, Midsummer and Hereditary. Yep. That's wild. It's one of those movies that I, I can't really talk about because I don't want to spoil any of the surprises in it. Because it has a lot of surprises, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. I've seen some people complain, and I think this is a valid complaint, about the sort of um, black best friend character in this. Yes. I was not... Um, happy with that with that character. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I know. I, I don't. It felt like they were trying to like say something, but it just did not land. I don't know what they were trying to say, but it did have a like. It just didn't really add much to it, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't some big moment where she gets like saved by the best. Fr- I don't know. Sort. I don't know. I don't. Just not. But Sebastian Stan in it. Who boy? He's great. I this think movie, Daisy Edgar Jones. Yeah, she's great. I think she's great. 
It's, I feel like so many people are excited about this because they're all Marvel stands and they want to see the Sebastian Stan horror movie. And I'm like, I love when these big names are in these movies because then you're going to get a bunch of like teenagers watching it. And that's how that TikTok shit happens. And everyone's like, have you seen this fucked up movie? And I love it. It is incredible <laughs> to see how that stuff. And a lot of people will be able to see this because it's hidden Hulu uh, first week in March. Yeah, that's wild that Hulu picked this up. I mean, I'm happy about it. It's just funny. That Hulu picked it up. Like, again, I think it's Sebastian Stan, because I think they know that the people are going to come out for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to see what online reactions are going to be <laughs> from the wider public when they see this movie. So. So wild. It's wild. It is very wild. Also, the only midnight movie I actually stayed up to watch at midnight. <laughs> My dumb fucking ass thought it, it – so for me, this was so fucking annoying. I can't believe I fucking did this. So I thought – it's so they started at all the midnights for me started at one fifty five because I'm on the east coast. The first the first midnights on it was fresh was the first one mm-hmm. I think on Thursday mm-hmm. last Thursday and I thought it started at two fifty five <laughs> so I wasted an hour stayed up until five and like five in the morning essentially and then had to get up to work on Friday I was like I made a couple mistakes. <laughs> My dumbass stayed up too because I wanted to. I wanted to see your reaction as you were watching this movie. So I was staying I know, up I was to like, like get the why text. Why are you awake? <laughs> it's like so late. You have to work too. No, I was off that day. Oh, I've been off. Never, never fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been. I, I've been. I would not have watched. No, I would not have stayed up that late if I was working the next day. I stayed up that late for two of them. Two more of them, I think. So I watched Hatching on a Screener, thank God. Speak No Evil was a midnight, and then I can't remember. Whatever. But um thankfully some of the midnighters were at eleven PM my time and I was like, Thank you, Jesus. I just I couldn't. I was like, you know what, I could stay up and watch this at one AM or I could watch the second uh screening of it and watch it when I wanted to. <laughs> That's very valid. I wish I had done uh, more of that. But that's okay. I got to see some cool movies. That first night just wrecked me. <laughs> that first, I know. That first night just like did not set a good tone for me for the rest of the festival. I was like, shit. It is now mostly over. So that's exciting. Another another Sundance in the books, everybody. Yeah. And we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming. Next Little Cuts. Yes. Next Little Cuts. We are leaving behind the uh, erotic thriller. We did that for almost three months. Jesus Christ. Um, Time is fucking fake. a lot of good we stuff. We saw some good shit. We saw some weird shit. Saw some sad shit. Yeah. Good God. Why are so many erotic thrillers <laughs> so sad? Uh, but we are... Um, we're turning away from that, and we are diving straight into full core because Shudder has uh, thrown up forty some odd. Some of them, you and I some were of talking. Them are not full core. I'm just gonna say it right now. They're not. I'm sorry. Text Chainsaw Massacre is not full core. Prevenge is not full core. Like, I would read an essay about why Texas Chainsaw Massacre could be considered full core, but for Shudder, I'm not sure. Also, somebody pitched me that article. If you're listening to this. <laughs> I would read the shit out of that. Um, uh, but yeah, so we're going into full core. We're not going to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre unless someone is able to write Mary Beth and, and explain why it is, in fact, full core. And then maybe 
Maybe we'll watch it. But um, our first movie that we're going to watch is Blood on Satan's Claw. And all of these will be streaming on Shudder, at least hopefully for the foreseeable future. So so that'll be exciting. And I, I haven't seen that one. And it's no. like, I feel like that's like quintessential folk horror and like setting up that stuff. So I'm stoked to watch it. Yeah. And good news is, is that if you didn't shell out for that a hundred and some odd dollar uh, full chorus set shutter has a lot not all of them but they have a lot of the ones that are in that set on their streaming they added a lot of them so hopefully yeah if you have that you might be able to follow along with us otherwise it's all on shutter yeah because i yeah i do not have that set yet so just me and shutter <laughs> hanging out who are we talking to on monday mary beth we okay so on monday we are chatting with suzanne kiley she's a writer a screenwriter and her credits include ash versus the evil dead leprechaun returns and last year's uh remake of summer party massacre and uh we are talking about the uh don't be afraid of the dark original tv movie from the 70s 1973 og 1973 yes so that'll be exciting speaking of kind of like toxic masculinity lots of like weird gender dynamic well i i I say weird because we're watching it from a 2021 perspective but definitely some 70s gender dynamics and husband wife dynamics and women not being listened to a lot of gaslighting Mm. so it's a great conversation so look forward to that on monday um, so listeners, we you have heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Were you able to catch any of the Sundance films this week and have thoughts? Are there any Sundance films that you're super excited to see when they finally get distribution? You can let us know by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to John Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.